This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Reserve Collection, a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products elicit strong feelings of calm, comfort and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's reserve collection of oils and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And uh, you know, one of the things we do here on Intelligent Medicine is we try to uh, look for uh, auspicious nutrients, nutrients that you know, maybe are a little less well-known, that uh, may eventually become uh, mainstream uh, nutrients uh, that uh, really have the potential to revolutionize our way of treating uh, common conditions. And um, I think we have one in today's subject. We're going to talk about uh, something called SPMs. Some of you may have heard about SPMs. Some of you have not. So much the better if you haven't, because we're going to provide you with a comprehensive introduction to the healing potential of SPMs uh, with today's guest. She's an expert on the subject. Uh, she's Georgia Austin. I know Georgia because uh, Georgia and I uh, served together with the American Nutrition Association uh, as part of something called um, the BCNS, the Board for Certifying Nutrition Spe Specialists. Both of us are CNSs. Uh, we're certified nutrition specialists, and uh, we uh, help to uh, formulate uh, the exams uh, that are necessary for certification uh, as part of that uh, process. It's a very exciting uh, endeavor because we uh, aim to professionalize the field of nutrition. Uh, she also is a possessor of a master's degree in the field of nutrition. Uh, she's a CCN, which is a credential that's required to become a professional nutritionist in New York. And uh, she has uh, years of experience in the field of nutrition. Uh, she also uh, is a product specialist trainer for Metagenics. That's a health sciences research company. Uh, also, uh, the uh, sole distributor of SPM as a product. So uh, without further ado, welcome, uh, George. It's a pleasure having you on the program. Well, thank you, Ron. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on your program. Yeah. And how this came about is, uh, you know, we were at a meeting together and, you know, I said, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing these days? And she said that she was really doing a lot of work on uh, the subject of SPM. And I said, wow, that sounds like a great opportunity to talk about something brand new in our program. So here we are. Um, That's right. So, uh, so first of all, you know, help us with some uh, definitions. You know, what are 
SPMs. And sometimes I get it wrong. I think <laughs> it's specific pro-inflammatory mediators. Do I have it right? Close. Close. Okay. The S stands for specialized. Oh, specialized. Okay. But it is, yeah. Specialized I always, I always mess it up. I, mediators. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, our industry, it's a bunch of alphabet soup anyway. So, <laughs> okay. So let's say that again slowly. Uh, sure. Specialized pro resolving mediators. Well, I like that thing about resolving because kind of that, that makes mm-hmm. it sa- sound panacea like. I like yes. things that resolve things. So explain right? how, <laughs> explain how that's possible <laughs> with SPMs. Sure. Sure. So, first of all, to understand that, you have to understand what, what are we resolving? Well, we're, we're trying to resolve inflammation, right? A lot of us have heard of that word inflammation. Inflammaging is another term to describe how inflammation and that process can age us prematurely. So when you have an inflammatory response from either an injury or an infection or surgery or even a heavy workout, then we have what's called the initiation phase. That's a normal healthy immune response to some sort of insult, right? So that initiation phase can create um, redness, pain, swelling, and heat in the area. Say you sprained your ankle, right? Picture your ankle and it's sprained. But where resolution comes in is in a healthy system that we can resolve that injury. We can create, you know, the, the swelling goes down, the pain and the redness and the um uh, heat starts to go down after a few days, and then our body should be able to naturally start to, you know, have an ebb and flow of that inflammatory process and start to begin rebuilding this tissue, mm-hmm. right? So, sending in all the cells, you know, the analogy I like to use is really you have your first responders, right? Think of Hurricane Sandy and all the things that happen. It's very relevant for where you are in New York. Mm-hmm. All of the things that happen. So those first responders are coming in. They're, you know, putting out the fires. They're managing, you know, anyone that's looting. They're picking them up and throwing them in jail. They're just doing what needs to be done to prevent total catastrophe, right? But then you want that cleanup crew to come in. And to be able to remove all the sand that washed up on the beach and to remove all of the dangerous, you know, buildings, tear down the buildings that are going to fall on somebody um, and really make sure that then the contractors can come in and rebuild, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what resolution phase should do. And if we're healthy, we can do that. But when we're not healthy, we have chronic unresolved inflammation Mm -hmm. that translates to chronic disease. So it's like a vicious cycle that's self-perpetuating mm-hmm. uh, yep. that, you know, may have had an appropriate instigator. It may have been a food reaction, as in mm-hmm. uh, celiac disease, for example, or Correct. infection, uh, you know, something triggered it. But And the body should respond, okay, you know, we need to defend ourselves from invaders. But yep. then it just kind of becomes Keeps going. Like, you know, a vicious cycle and kind of like a, a Chernobyl-like meltdown, you know. <laughs> Well, this is really what my passion is and what inspired me to get into the nutrition industry from environmental biochemistry is my own inflammatory oh. crisis. And I wanted to understand Share with us, yeah. how does this happen? Yeah. yeah. So how does this happen? How does a healthy 30-year-old develop something that looks like autoimmune inflammatory roving joint inflammation that was debilitating? So that began my mission to figure out how 
lifestyle and diet and environment and then nutrients can affect this process. So, you know, the discovery of SPMs and the research, ground, groundbreaking research really appealed to me on that level because it was like, you know, oh, here's the next piece. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're a category of nutrients. And actually, I didn't know about this until a couple of years ago. They're called resolvins. Mm -hmm. That's is, one category. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There are others called protectins. That sounds nice too, right? Yeah. Protectins, meresins, neuroprotectins. Those all sound like really good things to have. <laughs> right. And they are. They are. They should be produced from our white blood cells, um, from the omega-3s called EPA and DHA that should be in our tissues. Indeed. And those are among our mo our real standbys uh, for anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. uh, effects in, in nutritional science. So, you know, we want people to take uh, high doses of EPA and DHA for a, for a wide variety of conditions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that are inflammatory for certainly rheumatoid arthritis, for uh, neurodegenerative diseases that we now have, know have an inflammatory basis, uh, and, you know, on and on it goes. Every itis in the body yeah. is actually an inflammatory problem. Think of all the that's, itises that we, we have. This is actually exactly. fairly recent uh, science, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Around um, 2000, uh, a researcher named Dr. Charles Surhan actually uh, published his first work in 2000, but he had been working on that for years before that. So it's been going on for 20-some years. Um, that was the early studies, and then Dr. Jesmond Dali um, really had the next wave of studies, like, all right, we know what these are, we've identified them. Now, how do they help? What do they do when you give them orally? We know the body should make them, but how does it translate to putting them into a supplement and giving them orally? Right. And they were able to prove that they work. An example of which is is glutathione. We know that glutathione is a <laughs> beneficial thing, but there's a lot of controversy about whether just giving oral glutathione is going to get to the tissue. Uh, some believe that it needs to be synthesized uh, within the body. Mm -hmm. uh, so you might give the building blocks like NAC or you know glutamine. Uh, you know uh, these are ways of stoking glutathione production. Mm -hmm. um, so. The fact that resolvins are important, it does not necessarily imply that you can just take them by mouth as a nutritional supplement and that they'll have effectiveness, right? Correct. That was uh, the hypothesis that they were able to prove. Um, and in his research, um, he actually found that, yes, giving them orally does increase the amount of SPMs in the blood within two hours. It increases all categories. And that translated to the ability of the immune cells to engulf or, or phagocytize pathogens and other infectious agents like Staph aureus, Staphylococcus aureus, right? So it improved the ability of immune cells. doesn't block the ability of the immune cells to work. Right, because if it, it interferes with it. inflammation, you might say, well, you know, like taking steroids, mm -hmm. for example. We know that that's a two-edged sword because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you might think, well, all these people with coronavirus, you know, just give them steroids mm -hmm. and they'll all survive. Well, the problem is you'll reduce the inflammation, but you'll also reduce the immune response and then the people succumb exactly. to the pathogen. So you don't want to damp down the immune response, it seems that resolvins and, you know, SPMs don't do that. 
No, they they don't. And and all of this research, uh, preclinical, you know, which is done in uh, you know in petri dishes and then in mouse model, um, that's why. Uh, Dr. Surhan was actually nominated for the Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology a few years ago. Didn't win. <laughs> okay. Well, but he was nominated. So that's pretty, that's how hot of a topic it is. Indeed. Okay. So uh, the argument might be uh, EPA and DHA mm-hmm. generate these compounds. So, you know, why not just feed people a lot of EPA and DHA? You know, if they have inflammatory conditions, why bother to give them sure. a separate and distinct supplement? that focuses on this uh, resolve and activity? Great question. And that, that is actually what we always used to do, <laughs> yeah. is we would give people with itises, like you said, that's the way I refer to them too, um, we would give them megadoses between 4 to 10 grams. So the amount of capsules or teaspoons or tablespoons of liquids um, can be overwhelming. You get pill fatigue. Um, so, GI yes. problems, yeah. You know, yeah, there's a, there's a limit to how much you can take, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the problem comes in is that when, even when we're healthy, we're young and we're healthy, um, we have only about 5% conversion from EPA and DHA into these various SPMs, right? Once you start to see the aging process, that's part of that initial work that Dr. Sirhan and associates did, is they saw that, you know, younger mice versus older mice had more SPMs. And then when you initiate inflammation in an older mouse like a human, you see an even further drop in SPMs. And so once you have someone, and they see this in humans too, once you have someone who's older and has chronic disease, in human models, they've shown that both obese and patients with metabolic syndrome both have a compromised ability to convert omega-3s, those EPA and DHA mm. compounds from fish oil or algae or from their foods, so right? So the very people who SPMs. need uh, this conversion are least likely to accomplish this conversion. It requires Correct. a healthy uh, metabolism and a relative mm-hmm. uh, freedom from uh, inflammatory burden. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's much like uh, the conversion. It's a two-step conversion um, from omega threes, from say walnuts and flax seeds and and you know healthy foods. You have to convert omega threes into EPA and DHA. If, for instance, you don't eat fish or you don't take fish oil, it's very similar to that. That some people have poor conversion mm-hmm. of EPA and DHA into those SPMs. Yes. What about heavy exercise? Because there's, you know, one of the limits to athleticism is, you know, the aches and pains that you suffer. Particularly as you get a little less, uh, you know, older. Um, sure. That uh, is, is heavy exercise something that uh, blocks uh, the conversion of EPA and DHA to these beneficial compounds? Yeah, that is actually another area of of concern is that because you know because you are creating micro injury when you're exercising, right? That's an initiation phase, and mm-hmm. your initiation phase inflammatory response may outpace the amount of SPMs that you can produce. So yes, mm-hmm. heavy exercise and also toxic exposure mm-hmm. has been shown to interfere with the conversion, um, as well as certain medications like. NSAIDs, mm. non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Mm. I see. So in an effort one. to quell inflammation, you may block mm-hmm. the body's own mechanism for resolving inflammation. 
That's correct. So oh. although it, it, you know, they're very effective at blocking the pain signals, they block enzymes called COX enzymes, cyclooxygenase, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that converts omega-6s into pain-causing uh, chemicals like prostaglandins, mm-hmm. prostaglandin E2, right? So when you get that conversion blocked, it's very effective. But the problem is, is you become what's called resolution toxic because those same COX enzymes are also needed to convert EPA and DHA Mm. into SPMs. Wow. So that is why many of the side effects linked to chronic use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories exist. Wow. Yeah. And side effects such as, uh, you know, renal damage, uh, cardiovascular uh, toxicity, you know, the high yeah. Yep. GI bleed and poor um, healing of connective tissue and, and joint tissue. That's been shown time and time again by yeah. chronic users. And, you know, we used to be told by exercise magazines, oh, if you're doing a heavy workout, take some Advil the yeah. night before. Yeah. It's crazy talk now when, yeah. once we know this. Yeah. The chronic use of those things is just horrible. I mean, yep. okay, you know, if occasionally you have an injury or something like that, you know, I try to. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, I may have gone through. Uh, you know, a, a 30 count bottle of them in the last couple of decades. That may be it for me. Um, Correct. So, full disclosure, you know, I take uh, SPMs. I, it's a product. Right. It's available. Metagenics makes it. They have, I believe, an exclusive uh, distributorship on that because I don't see it mm-hmm. made by any other companies. I get it on Fullscript, which is our online mm-hmm. uh, supplement uh, access. Uh, but I also take fish oil. So I'm, sure. I'm hedging my bets here. Uh, you know, I'm getting older, feel a little, you know, stiff in the morning. You know, I do a lot of exercise. There's some soreness. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I want to protect my brain. I want to protect my blood vessels. So I, I've included an SPM in my regimen of about, you know, 35 different things that I take. Uh, but, you <laughs> know, familiar. can I, am I, can I just chuck my fish oil? Do I didn't, is that? No, no. Of course, we still need, um, you know, uh, you only convert 5% of fish oils into SPM. So what's the other 95% of the fish oils that you, or the EPA and DHA that you take in? You need it for cell membrane. So the construction of your, of your cell membrane and your nuclear membrane, you know, where your book of life is stored in the DNA in there. Mm-hmm. And all of the organelles within the cell also need need those particular compounds. Plus, they have other anti-inflammatory, less inflammatory um, compounds that they make, not just SPMs. So, there are a multitude of reasons, hence why you see over 20,000 studies on um, the the human benefits of, of fish oils. So, definitely not, but maybe you don't need to take as much, right, if you give those intermediate steps um, to help your body resolve inflammation. Right. I, I can't be bothered to take that much fish oil. I don't have really serious <laughs> inflammatory problems. So I take, you know, two big honking, you know, 1200 <laughs> milligram fish oil capsules daily. Uh, and then I take one, uh, SPM twice daily. And the nice thing about SPM, mm-hmm. very small. They're like really yes. kind of tiny capsules. So like you vitamin E size. Right. Yeah. But, um, am I deluding myself that just a couple a day is going to, do the job. It seems they seem so small. I wonder, is there enough to uh, help ordinary inflammation? I might give more to a patient with a serious inflammatory problem, but for an ordinary, you know, preventive purposes, mm-hmm. one twice daily is that adequate? You think? 
That is, uh, that's considered a, a maintenance dose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 500 milligrams and it's, uh, you know, standardized to the level of activity, resolving activity, which is really interesting. It's not just, oh, here you go. Here's this amount of SPMs. No, it's actually calibrated to the resolving activity. So mm-hmm. two a day is considered maintenance for healthy people because we're right. all aging. Let's, right. let's face it. Right. And we, life is inflammatory. Um, what you can do for either acute dosing for someone who is healthy or for, you know, acute intervention for a chronic patient is you give it at a higher dose, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do two twice a day or for some people I've done three twice a day for, you know, it depends on how severe the pain, the inflammatory markers might be that you see in the blood uh, and their size, right? If they have more cells, they're going to need more SPMs. Right. Uh, a larger individual might. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, are there human trials in this? Uh, have we looked Absolutely. at SPMs? Because, you know, a lot of things, I mean, it sound very mm-hmm. plausible. You know, you, you, you know, you outline the biochemistry, you could become a candidate for the Nobel Prize, but, you know, maybe that's in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, simpler animals, mice and rats and so on. Sure. Well, that's always where research starts, right? We, we want to make sure we're thinking the right direction that our theory is playing out. And so all research starts that way. It starts in a Petri dish, then it goes to an animal model, then it goes to human models. So some of the need for SPMs has been established by human research. So there's need for, for it demonstrated, and then there's therapeutic um, human clinical prospective studies, right? So looking at retrospective studies is looking back and saying, huh, how much, you know, how, how much SPMs does this type of patient make versus healthy? So, for instance, Alzheimer's disease patients, post-mortem, after they die, mm-hmm. their brain has, brains have been shown to have less SPMs, mm-hmm. and the SPM levels were correlated to cognitive function scores, meaning wow. the higher the SPM levels that they had in their tissue correlated to better cognitive function scores. Right, wow. for Alzheimer's and MCI, mild cognitive impairment. You mean if so I take a whole 30-count bottle, I'll have an IQ of 300? <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> okay. A lot of other factors there, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay, so the, those are studies that suggest the plausibility because mm-hmm. if you have low levels, fine. Are there any intervention studies in some of these inflammatory conditions showing? I mean, I know it's kind of relatively, the science is relatively in its infancy, Mm-hmm. But are any clinical trials, double-blind placebo control trials, for example, that show there's some efficacy? Well, so it's early on yet. So there mm-hmm. are a lot of uh, clinical case series um, yeah. that show improvement in certain conditions. Um, for instance, the very first generation trial was done on a group of patients with various inflammatory joint conditions. So, OA, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, even I believe there was ankylosing spondylitis. And they actually measured not only pain scores, but they were looking for inflammatory markers in their blood. And they were looking for changes at four weeks and eight weeks, right? And so, they did see that. They saw um, decreases in HSCRP, which is a, that's an inflammatory yes. marker that you, you would be me measured. A, by the way, you sent me a very nice mm-hmm. study that shows that you can lower CRP, mm-hmm. which for yep. our listening audience, C-reactive protein is uh, one of mm-hmm. our best uh, blood markers, easily attainable. You can mm-hmm. get it uh, for parts of routine blood test mm-hmm. uh, that measures your level of inflammation. Yeah, they measured several things. 
indeed. It's one of them that's a very commonly measured, con- considered an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease too. Yeah, especially the the subtype of CRP called, mm-hmm. you know, cardiac CRP Car- or highly sensitive CRP. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, that is actually you know among our risk factors when we look at you know, cholesterol and HDL and mm-hmm. particle size and homocysteine and LP little a. You also look at HSCRP, and if we can lower yeah. that, it, that mm-hmm. is seems to be a key. Uh, risk factor for cardiovascular disease it may explain why sure. some people with high cholesterol or low CRP uh, seem to avoid getting cardiovascular problems. Correct. Yeah, these uh, patients that are inflammatory, that is that is one of the risk factors. And so they were able to show a decrease in uh, the HSCRP, uh, that prostaglandin E2, another common uh, inflammatory marker, and fibrinogen, which is mm-hmm. inflammation related to how uh, blood clots and excessive clotting can be linked to elevated fibrinogen. So again, a cardiovascular risk. So not only did their pain scores get better, but they had reduced blood markers of inflammation, particularly related to risk for cardiovascular disease. So that was a pretty significant first round clinical trial. Well, that's great. I, look, we're going to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts, but in part sure. two, uh, Georgia, you're a clinician, so, you know, mm-hmm. you also kind of know where the rubber meets the road in your own uh, practice <laughs> of seeing patients in addition to being uh, a theoretician and, you know, learning the science. Uh, maybe you can share with us, you know, some of the situations where SPM might be uh, applicable and what your experience has been. We'll do that in part two. Okay. Uh, our subject today, Great. SPMs, say it, it's specialized pro resolving Mediators. Okay, that's a mouthful. <laughs> we'll stick <laughs> to is. SPMs. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, uh, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.